Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be delving into UK markets and looking at global influences on UK equities. And to do that, once more, we're kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Yes, yes, very well. Looking forward to our summer investor evening uh, tomorrow at Haberdasher's Hall. If anybody's yet to sign up, I think there's a, a few tickets left um, if you want to grab a last-minute ticket there. Um, that's being held from 6pm. Um, and also, obviously, of course, you can join us virtually if you're unable to make it into the to the city. So we're all preparing here at UK Investor Magazine for the event. But we're also keeping a very close eye on markets today, Alan. And I really want to focus on one particular market to start with in oil, because sort of looking at the dynamics of the oil market, of course, we we saw a huge spike in the price on the tragedy in Ukraine, but we have seen a, uh, a drop back from those highest levels since. But just in the last few days, we're starting to see a bit of upside pressure on, on the price of oil. And, and that's down to a number of factors. There's been some um, swings in US inventories, which suggests that there could be further upside in oil prices. And also, you know, looking forward a few months, there's still a relative amount of spare capacity in OPEC members, which suggests that we could see a increase in supply. If we're looking at the demand uh, side of things, Alan, of course, there has been well-documented forecasts of a slowdown in global economies. Some uh, economists are even calling for a global recession, which doesn't um, paint a particularly good picture for, for demand for oil, but we, we, we're yet to see any major drop-off in uh, in oil demand. So uh, that isn't really pulling prices down as, as, uh, as some may hope. But Alan, you know, looking at oil and then obviously looking at at stocks, um, you know, the, the FTSE 100. Of course, we've got the oil managers in Shell and BP. They really account for a huge amount of the of, of the index here. I mean, is this, you know, for, for UK investors that have, you know, investments, of course, through pensions, you know, broad-based equity, UK equity funds, um, for example, does is this good news if we see further upside in the price of oil for them? Uh, yeah, of course it is. Uh, uh, I mean, the certainly for uh, with the with uh, companies like BP and Shell, and of course on other markets, you've got the major or the oil majors, um, you know, for, uh, forming major parts of the constituent constituent in the seas. Um, it, it, it's it is it, it's it's a welcome respite in many cases for for some investors when the prospect of oil prices um, pushes the index higher. Although, of course. It's a very selective increase, uh, driven, of course, by driven, of course, by um, by increases, uh, uh, but by the share price increasing. But of course, it doesn't reflect on increases I- increases in other stocks across across the index. 
But um, but 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 we've got this this cocktail of uncertainty. We've even got the revival of the Iranian nuclear deal. Um, they could see Iranian oil starting to flow back into markets, and of course, if that happens, then then we might see uh, that then we might see um, the the, the, uh, the oil price capped and that upside pressure removed. Um, but there are, there are, there's a, a there are so many factors in play at the moment. We've we've got of course the potential price cap being discussed by the G7 on Russian oil, agreements yet to be reached. So all of these factors are in this melting pot. Um, but I, I think at the moment it's a, it's still a trader's market. And, um, you know, for oil investors or investors who are bullish on oil, I think uh, certainly the upside, that there is significant upside on offer in the coming weeks and months. But um but there are so many factors that could derail that at any time. And Iranian oil is a major factor. You know, it's a, 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 Iran used to be a major supplier of oil to to the West. And of course, if that um, if that supply hits the markets again, then of course there there could be all sorts of other factors to consider. And uh, we'll certainly see a weakening a weakening of the oil price then if that happens. Yes, indeed. I mean, you know, more, more oil coming onto the market at um, you know a, a time that we that we see some weakness in demand may actually um, slow that flow. But there's no indication that's going to be happening in the, in the short term. And as we've seen so far this year, the FTSE 100 has outperformed uh, the United States, for example, as well as some some European peers yeah. due to that. Uh, that waiting towards commodities, not only oil, but of course uh, metals and mining. As uh, as listeners would would well know, so that would probably suggest uh, you know a more defensive play in the FTSE 100 going forward for the rest of the year. But of course, on the other side, Alan, we've got you know rising oil prices, which means higher prices at the yep. pumps for consumers, and that's going to to eat in and continue to eat in to to household spending, just at the time uh, that we're seeing inflation across the board and increases in interest rates, which is creating maybe a perfect storm for the first company that we're going to discuss today, um, Alan, in B&M European Retail Value. So um, this company, of course, operates the, the B&M stores, the, the, the discounters. So one would suggest or one would think, Alan, that they're going to be a beneficiary of any slowdown in the economy. Yeah, well, I, th- I think they have been. Certainly, the the uh, the update uh, this morning, um, the, the the group, of course, um, have a variety uh, of stores up and down the country. B and M bargains. You've also got um, the Heron Group chain as well, uh, or the or the Heron food food price range, uh, which is performing well for the company. Uh, and of course, you know, at a time when when retailers, uh, particularly that market retailers, or the mid Range retailers are getting are getting hit. Um, discounters discounters should be be cleaning up. And certainly the the uh, the, the company reported um, a decline in revenues um, in the first quarter, down two point two percent. And although it's well placed, I think going forward, um, of course, there is still uncertainty as shoppers tighten their belts but you know this is the place they will go if they have to spend money so it's important to note that um and of course uh, certainly there was a bit of an upturn a bit of an upturn in performance uh, 
uh, toward the end of the quarter. Um, and, uh, you, you know, with the, with that reported uh, this morning, we've seen the shares rise uh, rise by, by just under 2%, you know, in a, an otherwise lacklustre market. So we've just come off that year low at, at, um, at £3.44 a share, back up to 387 now. Um, year high, of course, is, is well over £6. So um, there is some opportunity there. And it's really, I think, uh, uh, whether 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 shoppers can be persuaded to uh, to go into those stores if inflation carries on on rising, and and, and um, certainly at the moment um, there's little sign of it slowing down. Although I think, um, as we said the other week, uh, the the tools that the uh, central banks have available to deal with high inflation now are far more comprehensive. Um, they have far more control over the markets than they had, say, in the 70s when we had that, when, when inflation ran rampant. Then, of course, um, uh, uh, the standard of living plummeted and uh, we were in crisis. Um, I, there's also the issue of strikes as well. You know, will we have further strikes? We have the transport strike this week, which, uh, which, which, uh, or last week, which cost the uh, the markets or, or, or cost the cost the economy uh, 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 quite a few billion, um, and it's a question of whether those strikes uh, through this uh, era of discontent that we're seeing at the moment will continue, and whether we'll see we'll see other essential services go on strike too. Um, but all in all, I think um, the backdrop for a company like BNM European Retail Value is still fairly strong. Also, the shares have come down a long way, so. Um, is it investable now? Yes, I think it probably is. If you're going to invest into this into this sector, this would have to be pretty well top of the, of the list of stock picks. Um, and also, of course, the the company pays a four point two percent dividend too. So that's a, an important consideration when you're making investments now. Of course, you're looking to try to match or get close to to inflation. So if you can pick up stock like B and M at uh, or close to a year low and also uh, receive the dividend to boot as well, then um, uh, it, it, it offers an attractive way to mitigate the, the, the effects of inflation on your portfolio. Indeed. Indeed. From my point of view, looking at it, I mean, I think what you said there, Alan, you know, for, for a portfolio that's looking to weather the storms of a potential recession, one would think that you see uh, B&M outperform the overall market if, if things get... Uh, a little bit choppy out there. And of course, as you said, the dividend there does provide some compensation uh, if there is any downside. One thing that, that I would probably just raise quickly is, you know, with a business like this, obviously, it's all about margins. And if they're seeing increases in their input prices, and obviously, the, the prices that they're paying, that may be squeezed. Yep. Uh, but I think the focus will be on the top line yep. um, go, going through uh, a downturn. And as we've seen today, um, you know, with store openings as well, they seem to be um, on a on a sure footing going going into this. So, well, Alan, just on. important to note there, Jonathan, that there weren't uh, that there weren't any uh, 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 supply squeeze issues noted in the results, which is important. I think um, the company would have had, would have uh, outlined those if. If if those issues were prevalent, but um, so I think uh, I think certainly going forward, you know, um, given that uh, the company doesn't seem to be suffering from these uh, supply issues, then uh, then then obviously we can certainly discount that factor for now. 
Yes, indeed, indeed. Certainly for the, for the moment, good point, Alan. Um, they haven't said that they are suffering, uh, so seem to be navigating that uh, that quite well. Um, so moving on now, Alan, to one company that is suffering uh, today, and this isn't so much. I, I, I think about you know the overall state of the economy. I think it's more about looking at how we've moved through uh, the, the pandemic and obviously making comparisons on last year to the. To the year before that, and that's Moonpig um, shares down quite heavily this morning. Alan, as a, as I'm looking here, down four point four percent. They've released their full years. What did they look like? Oh well, the full year results um, are pretty good, um, and I think uh, you know Moonpig, of course, suffers from being a technology company, but actually the offering is terrific. And um, uh, you know, I'm sure you've used it, Jonathan. I, I certainly have. Because in this busy world we all live in, um, yeah. you know, when it's Mother's Day or whatever, it's goodness me, nine o'clock, you know, uh, or seven o'clock the uh, the previous evening. Oh, got to send that card, and of course you can go on a Moonpig on your app on the phone, do it, and get a perfectly crafted card arriving in the post the following day. You know, which is which is which is is pretty impressive, um, and, and certainly Moonpig um, have developed their offering. They're they're um, they've got a market leading. They've got market leading cutoff times. 9 p.m. in the UK for, for postage um, with their business that they have in the Netherlands that it's 10 p.m. So that's even better. But they, of course, um, announced uh, announced um, uh, uh, back in May uh, the acquisition this year of Biogift, which is the UK's leading gift experience platform. Um, and, uh, you know, this the, the company, uh, well, they, they, uh, Moonpig paid 124 million cash for the company, they've certainly generated plenty of cash, um, and it's expected that uh, th- that's against an EBITDA produced by by a gift of fourteen million, um, and they expect the um, the earnings from the company to to um, add some twenty percent uh, to the an- annualized earning earnings per share figure. So that's a pretty good acquisition, and obviously, given Moonpig. Moonpig's technology and its platform it's um it, it's i it, it's the ideal acquisition i think to enhance and grow the uh grow the Moonpig offering um they've also just appointed an non-exec shamay tao who was uh she's a chief uh, finance officer at third bridge group um and also an, a a civil investor at providence equity and mc mc venture partners she's now on the board um, and indeed, the numbers today, I think, uh, read very well. I mean, revenue's up 75.8%. This, of course, is the full year to the, to April 30th um, uh, uh, following the, the IPO. So revenues have risen 75.8% to $304 million. Adjusted EBITDA up nearly 69% to $74.9 million. Adjusted pre-tax up 55% to $51 million. Um, and, of course, you know, this is combined with this acquisition, uh, the acquisition announced uh, in May. I think um, the company's got a chance to really accelerate growth. But uh, as we know, in the current market, um, uh, any news that's released um, by a company, given the jittery nature of the markets and also uh, the nervousness of many investors, I think a lot of investors will treat any news release like this as an opportunity to offload the shares. And I think that's probably why we're seeing the share price weakness today. Um, on, on the year, the shares, I think, have performed pretty well compared to uh, some of the other technology stocks in the market because the company is growing sales and it's 
It's um, expanding its uh, its offering. It's got a very good team in place, of course. Nicol Retaitha, the chief executive, and um, the chair uh, the chairperson Kate Swan, who's um, who Kate Swan's been uh, uh, involved with many companies over the years, including WH Smith and Argus. So there's a lot of retail experience there, and they're growing this business, uh, I think, very well indeed. Um, so so I would view any op- any downside or any downside or weakness in the share price like this as an opportunity um, and I'm pretty sure given the rate the revenues are growing if they carry on growing this way they'll be paying a dividend before too long so um, so it, it is I think a great technology business to buy into for the future and I would say with the core business it's probably fairly resilient to any downturn because it's still uh, I think companies that have retail outlets, uh, you know, such as Smith, WH Smiths and and the like, they'll be more vulnerable to a downturn because a lot of people will probably, they'll continue sending cards, but they'll probably continue sending cards online and they'll carry on using some, a service like Moonpig where there are lots of offers all the time and the prices are still very competitive competitive compared to driving into the town walking into wh smiths and picking a card out and then having to post it so i think all those factors consider they have a resilient business model and one that will probably do okay if there is a future downturn uh, um given the given the, given where inflation is now do, do you think maybe there's a bit of concern creeping about that the earnings this, uh, this morning, Alan, in terms of not so much the figures, because obviously there's been a huge jump there, but in terms of where the share price is since the IPO and the actual valuation. I mean, so looking here at a, a, you know, a profit around that 31 million mark and, and, uh, and a market cap of, of 800 million, you, you're looking at you know price to earnings in the region of of 25 times do you think there's maybe some concerns there that oh, that's a little bit rich you know do you think investors were maybe expecting a little bit more in terms of the bottom line from uh, moonpig this morning um i i think uh, yeah i mean obviously technology stocks have raised their valuations because a, a faster rate of growth is expected and uh, um and so more uh, more more flexibility or, or, or a more flexible view is taken of the potential that the company has to earn that. And I think with the buyer gift acquisition, they've they've stated their intention. They've paid for the acquisition in cash, you know, from funds. Um, so so I think the company is well placed going forward. Um, yeah, uh, the perhaps the earnings could be could be a little stronger, but I think the trend overall is. Is very encouraging. I mean, we've got revenues of three hundred and four million. So, uh, so if you compare that to to the current market cap, that's just over twice the market cap. And I know that's not the comparison to make, but um, it's certainly a factor to consider. Um, and 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 I think um, I think what an acquisition like this will do, it'll improve economies of scale. It'll improve. It'll improve. Um, it'll improve uh, core costs. It'll reduce costs. Um, and enable the company to leverage up on its technology and generate uh, generate uh, uh, greater profitability from the existing infrastructure it has in place. Um, so I think uh, I think um, I would still view any downturn in the share price as an opportunity to pick the stock up. The stock up because I think the business model is right. I think the there's an opportunity for the company to grow overseas and acquire other companies. And I think if they do do the math right, 
there's a good team in place. You know, I think Kate Swan and Nicol Retitha between them are doing a great job in building the business. Um, I think uh, I, I think it's um, I think it's worth backing. Yes, yeah, certainly hard to disagree with that, Alan. Just looking at you know what what they're doing there in terms of those figures look really good, and one probably to keep uh, keep an eye on as it bounces around those lows uh, for for any. Uh, move back up to the to the upside there so moving on now alan we're going to discuss botswana diamonds um what's been the latest update from them okay so botswana diamonds so uh, diamond prices have uh have sort of uh, uh certainly um done or, or, or they've uh, that they're they've improved somewhat over the uh over the course of the year the um again you know where where there is uncertainty in the markets, um, uh, you know, assets like uh, gold and like diamonds uh, come into their own. And um, a company like Botswana Diamond that's uh, in the space um, uh, with uh, actively operating uh, uh, diamond mines and actively developing diamond assets is is going to be very much key in that. And certainly if you look at the share price performance over the past year, we're, we're just off year lows now. But the um at a point uh, just under a penny but actually the it's traded uh, between uh, a high of 1.7p on the year and a low of 0.78 so there's been very been very little fluctua- fluctuation for a uh, for a, a a company that um is an operator and a uh, an explorer for diamonds so that tells you tells you something about the resilience and the longevity of the offering um so um, Botswana Diamonds, uh, that they, they class themselves as a junior explorer. They go where the geology is best. So rather than sort of try and rewrite the the book, they'll they'll, they'll go to old mines. Uh, they'll identify uh, diamondiferous kimberlites, and kimberlites are of course the um, the igneous rocks that uh, contain diamonds. And then once they find those, they tend to joint venture with larger companies that have bigger budgets to. Uh, to develop the asset, and of course, uh, and of course, uh, 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 develop the asset to production and uh, uh, bringing diamonds into the market. Um, the team behind it. So uh, James Campbell's the chief executive. He's uh, he's um, he's uh, really driven the company very firmly for the past um, the past few years. John Teeling, the chairman. He's a veteran, of course. John Teeling is well known in the industry, and James Finn is the finance director again. Very well known and very well respected uh, throughout. Uh, but John Teeling and James Campbell between them, I think they need no introduction. They've they've got uh, they're, they're well known sort of uh, throughout the exploration industry. And um, the team came together after the discovery and then the f- subsequent sale of the Karoo Diamond Buy and Buy Africa Diamonds to the Lakara Diamond Corporation in 2010. And um, Botswana Diamonds was formed when Karoo was sold. Um, and they, you know, as the name would suggest, they are very much focused in Botswana, but in particular on the Catvale Creighton, which straddles Botswana and South Africa and Zimbabwe. Um, they have a number of assets. They have the Sakaka Diamonds asset, which was in, acquired from Petra Diamonds in November last, in November 2020. They hold three prospecting licenses in the Kalahari and a very comprehensive database of, of information and data um, that's come with that. Then Sunland Minerals, um, uh, uh, um, Botswana Diamonds became the operator in 2018. Um, they, there's the Gargu mine, which is which is close to a discovery made by previously by Botswana called the KX36 discovery, uh, and indeed the 
the Gargu mine um, is is uh, an asset that the company uh, w- will will develop. Uh, they, they they put together a joint venture to acquire the Gargu mine with Gem Diamonds, but uh, that subsequently lapsed. But the company are still making efforts behind the scenes to get that back on track or come up with an alternative solution. There's another company called Maywood Diamonds uh, that has prospecting licenses in Kalahari. There's quite a comp- complex ownership uh, uh, um, structure there. Um, but it, it, overall, um, Botswana Diamonds owns a net 36% of that group, uh, that, that, that group offering. And then on to the most uh, prolific one, and that's the one that's really making all the headlines. This is, the, uh, this is in South Africa. It's uh, uh, an asset owned by Vitomi, which uh, um, Botswana Diamonds acquired on September September last year, uh, and this includes the um, Thorny River project, um, which is which uh, uh, Botswana Diamonds owns uh, uh, basically seventy six percent of um, overall, um, and there's a, a South Africa empowerment company that owns the other twenty four percent, which is quite normal practice in South Africa. So. Um, Thorny River has um, has long been uh, long been renowned for um, having uh, or, or, or being um, stored to kimberlites, and indeed, as the company have progressed uh, the um, the exploration over the, over the years, uh, this has very much come to the fore. The company raised um, just uh, just over half a million um, sterling in October last year, um, and. Uh, in, in April this year, the company announced that the the um, the analysis they'd undertaken indicates potential open open pit options to develop the kimberlites and and mine for the diamonds there. Um, an an independent valuation was undertaken by a South African firm Praktara, um, which uh, indicates uh, um, 170 carats per ton potential and a recover grade of 40 carats per hundred tons, uh, which is uh, which are pretty strong numbers. Then on then on May the fourth, um, uh, Botswana announced the largest anomaly to date at Thorny River, um, which is consistent with a kimberlite pipe of some 25 meters in diameter, and the company have dr- a big drilling campaign planned. There in July and August, um, so so things are really progressing there, and this is a it's a very exciting development. In fact, um, the the team were engaged or have worked in various forms uh, on or on or in the Thorny River region since the early 1990s. So there's been a lot of activity there. It's well known to be a store of value, and certainly with the drilling that uh, it will be undertaken in July and August. Um, this could be a threshold moment for the company and we could see well we may we may see a major discovery made in that region but um but of course uh kimberlite pipes uh, are what uh, diamond exploration companies look for um and indeed the most famous uh, diamond recovered in africa the star of africa which was an 83 and a half carat diamond um uh, was was discovered within a kimberlite pipe so all the indications are that uh, Botswana may, may well have a decent discovery on their hands. So at this level, just off year lows, looks to a great opportunity. The company's worth just under eight million sterling at the moment, which of course is nothing. So if that discovery is made, then um, happy days. Indeed, indeed, and sure to be one that we follow on the podcast when we get further updates. Will be one that I'm sure we uh, 
cover again in the future. So to finish off now, Alan, is one such company that we've mentioned on the podcast previously and has had a rich flow of news since, and it's Tertiary Minerals. What's the the latest update from them? Well, Tertiary has had a rich flow of news since, uh, uh, John, but um, but unfortunately that's not reflected in any way in the value of the company and uh, the share price performance. But um, uh, it's well known, of course, uh, the uh, managing director, Patrick uh, Cullen, departed um, about three or four weeks ago. Patrick Cheatham, the chairman, um, and his team are continuing with the exploration um, that uh, the Patrick Cullen helped put in place. And of course, uh, I'm referring to specifically the the uh, the uh, copper projects on the Zambia copper belt uh, in Zambia, of course, in Africa. Um, and uh, there are several assets here in Africa, um, but Jack's project is the most prolific, and it covers covers a, a, a large area. On the or, or within the Zambia Copper Belt, and um, Tertiary Minerals has an arrangement with uh, a company called Moasia in uh, in the region, where um, where can earn up to a ninety percent joint venture interest, <clears throat> depending on the the grades that are pulled from the ground and and how well the campaign there progresses, and we've had our first big step forward there this morning um, when the company announced significant copper copper mineralization was intersected in all four diamond drill holes and these were these are decent grades um, copper mineralization intersected over a strike length of 350 meters um, and planning is now underway for further evaluation of the uh, copper soil anomaly that extends over a further um, area much larger area, 16 kilometers within the license area so um, it's uh, Tertiary has given notice to JV partner Moashia Resources that it's an earned a 51% interest. Um, and uh, of course, it will duly exercise its option to continue earning up to a joint 90% JV interest. So, a very exciting step forward for Tertiary. Um, and uh, the, the target's got considerable potential. Um, remember, of course, I mentioned at the start, Jax is one of five licenses in Zambia where Tertiary's got the right, right to earn up to a 90% interest from Washia. So, um, of course, it's the dry season there at the moment. So uh, the the uh, work is underway. So we're going to have quite a few more results coming through in the coming weeks. Um, also, of course, worth mentioning that um, Tertiary has a number of other assets. Um, in Nevada in the USA, uh, the Pyramid uh, Project, unfortunately, um, the silver uh, the, the silver north uh, or the silver project north Ruth revealed disappointing grades, so they've not continued with that. But there are a number of other assets out there, namely the Brunton Pass Copper Project, which uh, the company will be progressing. And there's a royalty; um, the company has a royalty stake uh, in uh, the, the Karaselka uh, Gold Project in Finland, which is currently being drilled and uh, worked on by Orion Resources. And that could potentially be worth up to two million sterling to tertiary. So, given that the tertiary share price is currently 0.15p, it did pop up this morning. Um, uh, 0.15p values the company at 1.8 million. So that's that's a keep the lights on valuation in my book. There's no premium attached to that uh, valuation for any of the assets the group holds. So I think there's huge. Uh, Huge potential upside here going forward. And uh, with the news that's set to come from Zambia in the coming weeks, um, this could be a very good ch- uh, time to buy in. 
Indeed, Alan, you, you picked up on a good point there, and obviously speaking with uh, you know a number of people in the in the markets and you know operating within the junior resource sector, there, there is periods within that sector. There's a big disconnect uh, between valuations and you know what's actually happening on the ground, and it's not really linked to, to, to metals or, or mining activities. It, it, it's more the overall. Uh, uh, you know, perception of what's happening in the in the economy. Of course, yeah. uh, junior resource companies aren't for the, the faint-hearted, and there's obviously for the more adventurous investor. But uh, you know, Alan, as you've been in, in the markets for some years, as have I, we've we've seen periods like this before, where it's down in the doldrums. Then we see a change in economic conditions, and all of a sudden things uh, start to perk up again. Uh, when that will uh, be remains to be seen. Um, but usually the, these uh, these downside moves and, and disconnects don't last forever. So just a recap of the equities that we discussed today. B&M European was the first uh, stock with a ticker of BME. It was just then Moonpig um, with a ticker of MOON. We then discussed Botswana Diamonds with a ticker of BID. And to finish off was Tertiary Minerals with a ticker of TYM. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just a note to listeners, if you're not yet registered for tomorrow's Summer Investor Evening, uh, there's a few in-person tickets left, but there's plenty of space in our virtual event room if you want to watch from the comfort of your own home. So do check out the event section on the UK Investor Magazine website. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.